So next time you're in Macedonia, and I go there on the regular, and uh, you have to get together with me when you're in Macedonia next time. There is a, a snake island, which is a place that you can go that you have to take a boat to. You have to pay a local. You have to speak. They said you have to speak Macedonian, but I think that's just Greek. I don't really know. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I don't. Does I don't Indiana know. Indiana Jones go to this island? Is what I want to ask. I he would. He would. He would. I think <laughs> because he Indiana would. Jones speaks Macedonian. That's exactly I, why. That's that. I see how you put that together. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so next time you're there, you can go to this place called Snake Island. It is called Snake Island because there's like one month a year when the snakes are in hibernation. The rest of the year they're just out like mating and like killing things. And it's it's highly populated. It's not the most famous snake island where there is a snake for every square meter on the island. This is a different one. You but just still, gave me an entirely different like, category of dreams and yeah. nightmares to have. Well, so. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, so this snake island, though, you can there's a geocache there. Again, the Macedonian one. Go to the Brazilian one at your own peril. And I don't recommend going at all. But the other one. The, the Macedonian one, you go to, and you can find this geocache there, and they say it's it's under a roof shingle under a tree, and they recommend using a stick to move the roof shingle <laughs> <laughs> because you don't want to just venture out and grab stuff on Snake Island, um, and that's the way it is. So welcome to Geocaching Scripture. I'm excited to be here. Here we are in the blanket fort and confession. Not in a blanket fort. No. Yeah, we're like in a legit studio. A legit studio. This is Clear Hits Radio Studio. My goodness. Run by the inimitable Caleb Williams. He does it well, that's for sure. Tolerated by the inimitable Carissa Williams. <laughs> um, so we are here and we are recording and um, geocaching is this rarefied sport hobby of this kind of adventure hobby where you go to places like Snake Island and you find these little treasures and they sort of change and give dimension to a, a hike or a walk that you may be on. Because I normally hike through Snake Island. Just well, so you know. <laughs> I mean, how many times can you go there? It gets boring, <laughs> you know. Um, so, <laughs> and that's the adventure is in the finding. And that, to me, is my, my sort of metaphor that I use for the way I interact with Scripture now, having been in seminary, having been in ministry for a decade, um, and and looking at it to see these little pieces of culture, language, uh, historical situation that bring out the dimension in it. Um, and some of them are a little dangerous. Mm. You, you should probably approach them with a stick. So I, sorry, I <laughs> again, the blanket fort is not is not just me today. Yes, there are, where there was one, there are now two. There are now two. Mm. There are now two in the garden. And I am well. That's getting a little bit far, but I am happy to be here, uh, doing my best to kind of muck around in scripture and take it very seriously. So, like, the reason I came on this podcast is because you told me it was the most serious biblical podcast in the entire world. Absolutely. So if, if you're out there listening in a digital world, just imagine us with, like, slanty eyebrows, just reading the Bible angrily and being very serious about it constantly. Absolutely. That's what I, that's what I expect yes. from this podcast. My just beard now. hanging over the cuneiform. As I, I can actually feel my <clears throat> beard growing as I get more angry. So <laughs> I hear you on that. I hear you on that. And I forgot to offer... I forgot to offer um, a prize 
If, oh, you, if you find the geocache on Snake Island and you return, you have to, you can't, <laughs> yeah. So if you find it, I mean, then all bets are off and not binding. I'll, I'll do a legal disclaimer later. Um, but if you find it, um, I will give you all of the Sour Patch, um, Sour Patch kids that are in front of me in this Tupperware, except. It's a bounty of them. Yeah. For this one. Mm. There's a red one. I'll give you the rest of them. Anyway, I am joined by my podcast helpmeet, um, Dan Hintz, Pastor Dan Hintz. Glad to be here. Who is the associate pastor of my church here in Appleton. The Mission Church? The Mission Church, indeed. And he went to um, the seminary that we call Regent South. Also called Fuller Theological Seminary. Fuller Theological Seminary. The most serious seminary in America. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just terrifyingly serious. Yes, correct. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't read the Bible, again, without slanty eyebrows pointing down. Slanty eyebrows, thick, you know, German words yeah. just falling off the page. Yeah, Calvin, he was jovial compared to us. I mean, yeah. he was just a happy, way too happy. Absolute so. party animal. Never took anything <laughs> seriously. Good night. Him and Geneva just blowing it up. Mm. So Dan's here. And this, my friends, I should also introduce, is season two of Geocaching Scripture, which I don't want to do alone. Um, so season two, two hosts, easy to remember. Dan, take it away. All right. So today we are going to talk about a theme that I have coined, and I don't know if it's an actual theme, but I'm just going to, going to call it agnostic openness, which means when we don't know something, let's just admit that we don't know something. And I think scripture speaks into this quite poignantly. And so there is a uh, a story in the Bible that many of us are familiar with, and it's the story of the rich young ruler. And I think this story has a lesson to teach every Christian about false assumptions they can often jump to without even knowing it. And so let's just read scripture and then geocache it for what it is. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Dot, dot, dot. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Yes. What happens from there? And so I have, growing up in conservative evangelical world, I have always read this story as a condemnation of the rich young ruler. And so it's always been taught from the pulpit, shame on him, he had many riches, and he wasn't willing to make Jesus the Lord of his life and to give up his riches. And in seminary, Fuller Seminary, or Regent South, as you call it, I don't yes. know, yes, yeah, the most absolutely. serious seminary in the world, I would absolutely, even say. Yes. Uh, I, I had a, a professor that poked at this a little bit, and he said, when does it ever say in Scripture that this man actually decided not to follow Jesus? And he went through all the different synoptic accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so in Mark, we see, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
In Luke, we see, when he heard this, he became quite sad, for he was very rich. Matthew expands it a little bit, and, and he says, When the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. But never once does it say that this man decided not to follow Jesus. That's an assumption that we mm-hmm. jump to. And so my professor read this story against the, the, the story of St. Francis of Assisi, who was born into a wealthy family, was born mm-hmm. rich, gave all his money away, and then his family disowned him. And so our professor just asked us for a second. Let's say you live in the first century, and your money is your family's money, and you have a lot of it. And Jesus calls you to sell everything and to follow him. By nature, you know that what's going to happen to you is the same thing that happened to St. Francis of Assisi. Like if you sell everything, your family is going to disown you. Your community is going to disown you. You're you're, you're cut off. And so he, what, what my professor said is it's, it's also hermeneutically possible that this man went away sorrowful. What does hermeneutic mean? Hermeneutics means that it's, it's, it's possible within the context of the interpretation. Yeah, the interpretation. I, okay. I was about to drop the word pericope, but I decided not to. So it, it, just, it just means it's possible within the text. For us to read this, not as the the man being sad because he was going to leave Jesus, but the man was sad because he knew what was going to happen when he followed Jesus. He was sad because he was saying goodbye to his mom and his dad Mm. and his dog and his best friend, Rick. He was saying goodbye to all of that in order to follow Jesus. And I, I, at first, that kind of like turned me off. I didn't like that at all. But mm. as I as I read and wrestled through scripture, I had, to, I had to come to the point that I didn't actually know what happened to this young man or the reason for his sorrow. Maybe he's sorrowful because he's going to leave Jesus, but maybe not. And the question I think we, the, the question I want us to wrestle with in this episode is what is a scripture like this doing in the Bible? And how is it shaping disciples to live in the world? And that's where I think we have fruitful room for lots of conversation. Mm. Because in many of my conversations that I have with people, it happens so so quickly that people hear the first three words out of your mouth and they just assume they know what you're going to say. Or read the free, first three words of your post or your tweet. Correct. And they just yeah. they just know what right. you're going to say. Uh, I, I once read a, a quip that said, tweet others as you would wish to be tweeted. I don't. I don't do the Twitter verse, but anyway, I found that funny. Or or Trump reads a headline from the Babylon Bee. And Correct. Says, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I mean, I, like, how often has this happened to you, Josh? Where like you're you're talking to someone, and whether or not you agree with them or not, you're in a conversation, and someone says, "Well, like Black Lives Matter," and then someone else in the conversation says, "Well, well, then you hate cops, right?" It's like, well, come on, like he right. did he really say that? I've been in conversations where someone will say, like, well, I, I voted for the current President Trump. And someone else in the conversation will say, well, then, then you, of course, you want to kill immigrants, don't you? And it's like, well, now, wait now. Like, did he actually say that? Right. And so let's, let's pause and ask ourselves, why is the story of the rich young ruler in Scripture? And what, what is it mm. teaching us about some of the false assumptions we jump to? Like, maybe we need to recognize that we don't know everything. That is, we need to be agnostic about some things until we know more, and we need to be open to the fact about 
asking questions and being surprised by the, the knowledge that we, we learn. Mm-hmm. And which is why I think that agnostic openness is a good way to think through this, mm-hmm. uh, when, especially in a politically charged environment. When we're talking to someone, it's very easy to reduce them into the last thing they said. Mm-hmm. And that's so unfair. And then what you have, like this being in the context of Mark, where Mark leaves a lot of these cliffhanger yeah. type ideas. The end of Mark Correct. is a cliffhanger. <laughs> you get to the end of Mark and it says she walked away from the tomb and didn't say anything to anyone. Dun, dun, dun. There we are. She yeah. went to Snake Island is where <laughs> she went to. And they never saw her again. <laughs> uh. So, yeah. So I, I think this I think this is, is here for followers of Jesus to be confronted with the reality that so often we just want to assume we know what scripture is about when we don't sometimes. And so this story is point in case. We we have inklings that this man might have uh, left Jesus, which is, again, you can make an argument from that based on the eye of the needle saying that Jesus has right after this. But again, right. we don't know for sure. All we know is that Jesus also says that uh, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's entirely possible Mm. that this man was cut to the core because he knew that he would have to be disowned by his parents. And that's what caused his sorrow. It's not a sign that he was leaving Jesus. It's a sign that he was following Jesus and being open to that reality, a politically charged environment where... I mean, you're either far right or you're far left, and there's very little in the middle. It's very easy for someone on the left to caricaturize someone on the right and just say, I know everything they believe, and vice versa. It's very easy for someone on the right to caricature someone on the left and just say, I know everything they they believe. And I just want to say, hold on. This scripture is here to shape us in terms of agnostic openness. Now, I'm not, I'm not agnostic. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm thoroughly Christian. But I think that, there, that in, in conversation, we can never know everything about someone. And so this, this story invites us to be curious, to ask more questions. And as I've wrestled through this text, I've still never landed perfectly on, does this man leave Jesus or does he follow Jesus? Because the text doesn't give me enough there. And so I, I, I continually wrestle with the evidence I have. Mm-hmm. In conversation, however, we have the capacity to ask more questions, and I think that's what this text wants us to do. Well, and I would say, like, one of my very favorite verses, the last verse of Jonah, and also much cattle. <laughs> oh, and brilliant. also much cattle. cattle. Yes. Like God says, God. I'm not going to destroy Nineveh. There's a bunch of people there. And also much cattle. Fini. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the author is just like, nailed it. Done. <laughs> This is over, yeah, man. Oh, I and crushed also, that one. Sails born back by the wind. <laughs> We're out. Uh. Mic drop. Yes. I mean, similar. similarly, uh, Mark has this aggressive sort of fast, fast storytelling style that he just kind of like leaves things open. Yeah. You know. And I would say that if these texts are doing more than just telling us history. Right. They're not just telling us history. They're shaping us as we read them. That's what that's why these Gospels were so impactful for people. It's not just some neat story that expresses something that's historically true. It changes us. And I think the way this story changes us is by helping us recognize that we jump to conclusions that we just shouldn't. We need to pause and say, I don't know everything. I need to be open to that reality. And I need to ask some more questions. People are way more nuanced than just I'm liberal or liberal or conservative. There's a whole spectrum of belief that's out there. And based on any given issue that you're talking about, someone may have a a, a 
someone may yeah, have uh, abide in a different reality than you're expecting. And the only way we're going to dis- discover that as Christians is if we're open and we ask questions and we're conversational and we're curious. And in my mind, how beautiful would it be if in geocaching the scripture, we become like the best political conversants ever. Just be- And people want to have conversations with us just because mm-hmm. we don't jump to bad conclusions. And we're always trying to discover exactly what someone believes and why, because we don't believe we just have all of the information right away because someone believes X, Y, or right. Z. They, they're either a fascist or a red communist. Correct. Like, that's, there's no, there's no in-between. Correct. And this, and this even in the sense that, that Mark um, and that all the Gospels have, have a certain sort of uh, category for wealthy people. Mm-hmm. And Mark sort of breaks that category mm-hmm. and says, this, this man is wealthy, but he's more than that. And and maybe we need to rethink our approach to all people groups. Well, not only that, but then, I mean, if Jesus knows this guy's heart and he knows whether he's going to follow or not. And let Mar, I, I love how Mark introduces Jesus's posture towards this towards this man saying he loved him. Like mm-hmm. what what produces the type of openness to someone to discover whether your assumptions are right or wrong? It's a posture of love towards someone. You want you want the person you're talking to to be fully themselves. And because of that, you don't just jump to bad conclusions. You, you ask lots and lots of questions to discover precisely what they believe and why. And in that, not only do you express your love towards them, but they also experience that love. And how amazing would it be if Christians were known for that kind of political conversation? And that's it. And you don't exactly see us people clawing online to talk to the Christians about politics. No, you don't. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, love people and subscribe, kickstart, and, and, and rate us on Snapchat, Podtunes. Write us on Podtunes and put us on your MySpace page. And, and we're both orbiting 40. So we're like, you know, we're wondering about what, what the kids are doing. It, whatever the kids are doing, do that. They're on Snake Island, is where the kids are. Absolutely. I think that is. So, anyway, Pax Humana. Cheers. <laughs>